The text this morning is Hebrews chapter 2 verses 5 to 18. Please turn your Bibles with me. Again, it's Hebrews chapter 2 verses 5 to 18. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, that you care for him. You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest, in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of God. Hello, Holy Trinity downtown on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Gives me great pleasure today to introduce today's preacher, today's speaker. And let me just say something about Holy Trinity's history. We were founded as a training church. Part of the original founding idea within Holy Trinity is that there are different kinds of hospitals. There are regular hospitals and there are teaching hospitals. And in a, in a teaching hospital, there's always leaders, younger leaders that are being trained up in, as interns and residents and then doctors and then in fellowships. And so um, Holy Trinity was founded on, on that idea that we wanted to be a kind of teaching hospital church where there were always younger leaders that we are training, which means that we're always saying hello to some and, and, and sending others off and uh, so it gives me great pleasure to invite Chelton Carter to, to preach for us today. And Chelton is actually a pastoral resident at another church in Chicago at Progressive Baptist Church, but has been a friend of Holy Trinity for a number of years. He preached about a year ago, 11 months ago, on the first Sunday of January 2020. And uh, Thank you, Chelton, for getting us all ready for 2020. So may you enjoy the preaching of God's word today uh, as you hear from Chelton Carter, and may the Lord bless the preaching of his word. And would you just be in prayer for Chelton as he preaches? Well, good morning, Holy Trinity. My name is Chelton Carter, and I want to say it is such a privilege and an honor to stand before you all and to open up 
God's word this morning on this December 20th Christmas week, Sunday. Uh, I'm so grateful that Pastor John Dennis and the whole entire Holy Trinity team and staff would give me such an opportunity to share with you God's word and to share it the Sunday before Christmas. I'm grateful for that opportunity and I'm delighted and overjoyed uh, that I will be able to share with you God's word. And what an interesting time it is to be uh, living. <laughs> uh, I remember last year in December, actually, December 2019, I preached uh, to Holy Trinity, uh, actually at downtown at the campus. And so it is now interesting to be here in my office uh, bringing you God's word. But nonetheless, the good news about the word of God is that even if we are quarantined, if you will, God's word is never, ever quarantined. And so we all just, you all just read the verses in Hebrews chapter two, verses five through 18. So I won't go and start reading those once again, but I want to open up before we get started in a word of prayer. So wherever you may be, as you're watching this, will you please pray with me and for me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for just another day. We thank you for the, the beauty, which is this Advent season as we prepare for the coming. We prepare for he who has come, uh, Jesus the Christ, your son, the wise God, Lord God. And so we're thankful for an opportunity for uh, just a chance to open up your word. And what we need from you is not just eloquent words, but what we need for you is your Holy Spirit by your grace to impact this particular time as we open up God's word together. So I just want to say thank you again for this opportunity. It's been a challenging and difficult year. Nonetheless, you've brought us this far. So be with me in this sermon. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. In one of his many acclaimed books, The Road to Character, the author David Brooks scans the lives of prominent men and women who left a positive impact in human history. Some in whom he observed, like Dorothy Day, led social reform. Others invaded the Oval Office with leadership qualities envied by their opponents. And still some others wrote theological classics like St. Augustine that still inspire you and I today. These people, which Brooks observed, were born in different cultures. They spoke different languages and they studied in different institutions. Yet while their differences were numerous and their personhood each unique, the author discovered one shared experience of all in whom he studied. And it was this, that before they elevated to greatness, they had to descend through hardship. The hardships that each person faced may have been different. Some faced unimaginable losses, whereas others faced emotional difficulties that were prevailing and persistent and painful. Others faced a handicap, a physical handicap, but no matter what it was that they dealt with, no matter the diversity of their struggle, the point Brooks arrives at is clear. 
that greatness, true greatness, lasting greatness that each of us desire will never be achieved or attained walking the road of ease and comfort. If I could say it another way, it is this, the paradoxical truth of life is this, that before you and I go up, we must first go down. And what an interesting gem, a valuable treasure that is worth more than any fleeting monetary gift. For whatever reason, godly wisdom screams aloud to you and I this poetic truth. Don't despair when the going gets tough. Keep trusting God even when the going gets rough. Because the road upward descends downward. But this truth is magnificent, not because it is a simple rule in this gift called life. But for the Christian, the beauty of exaltation coming after humiliation is a rule that you and I, not only you and I alone experience, but the evidence that this rule is higher and holier and loftier than we could ever imagine is seen in the Christmas story. This pathway was the same experience that the God-man Jesus the Christ walked himself. This leads us to one question. Why? Why is it that Jesus had to walk the difficult road to character himself? Why did Jesus have to come to the very earth in which he created in the form of a baby boy? Why is it that we sing songs like joy to the world. Well, Hebrews chapter two, verses five through 18 shares with us multiple reasons. And that is the question I came to answer with you this morning. From Hebrews chapter two, verses five through 18, I simply want to touch on the four reasons why Jesus had to come to earth. And I know, that in an astute congregation such as Holy Trinity, uh, who hears powerful preaching and teaching week in and week out, I imagine someone is, is, is mentally thinking, well, I mean, I know. I mean, I've been a believer for, for X amount of years. I, I know what the Christmas season is about. Well, while this may be knowledge that you already know, the truth here is that oftentimes we need to be reminded of what we do know. And I say that especially as we consider this particular year. What a difficult year it has been. Uh, last year, I preached at Holy Trinity December in December of 2019. Who would have thought that this year so many loved ones would have been lost? Who would have thought that dreams and opportunities that we all had would no longer be prevalent. Who would have seen the turmoil in our nation, and not just our nation, but around the world, that we would all have to now wear masks as we go to and fro? That work that we normally did in the office would now be streamlined and done from our home. Who could have imagined that a Sunday in 2020, that we would, on Christmas Sunday, have churches throughout this nation, throughout the world almost, closed by their buildings. But the good news is that this, this reminder, that this reminder that we will walk through today ought to give us hope as we 
think through Christmas here soon, that Jesus came back and this particular passage points to four reasons why Jesus had to come to earth. And that's really all I want to talk about and is that Jesus had directly to come to this very earth. Well, let me do a quick recap of what the writer of Hebrews, who he was working with. Um, so when we get to our text here in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews was writing to those who were going through difficult times, kind of like what we're dealing with now. Economic opportunities that seemed so promising might have been destroyed. The people at this particular time might have been struggling with the fact that they were coming out of Judaism into Christianity. And with that, they faced their own challenges and disappointments. Families were now neglected. And because of the, the, the economic struggles that some of them might have been facing, scholars don't know the specific reasons why they were facing hardship, but whatever it was, they were dealing with persecution. And these persecutions were so strong. They were so debilitating that some of these Jewish believers were thinking of giving up their faith, thinking of giving up the confidence that they had. And, and I don't mean to, to, to partner, to, to get away from this particular uh, thing that I'm talking about right now, but there are some of us who are feeling that way right now, that this year has been so challenging. I mean, country seemingly in chaos. Regardless of how you feel, leadership seems to have not been doing all that it could have been doing. We've lost over number state as of today, uh, number state over 300,000 Americans have passed away from one particular pandemic. We've been wearing masks and many people whose economic opportunities seemed so great are, are, are now dwindled. Many of us, I'm sure, in this congregations are thinking now about plans that they might have made previously about changing them. Maybe they're thinking about leaving the city. Maybe you're thinking about starting a new job or doing this or doing that. Whatever you might be thinking of right now, there may be as well some people who are watching this particular sermon who are considering their faith again starting to wonder, is it really worth it? I mean, how could a loving and holy and perfect and kind and considerate God allow so many people to die just like this? How could a loving and patient and forgiving and great God allow for a pandemic to come out of nowhere? Well, you may be tempted to think about giving up your faith, but the writer of Hebrews is warning you, don't do it. Don't give up. One preacher friend that I know would say this, don't give up, not ever, because Jesus is our hope. That's really what I think the, the writer of Hebrews is getting at when you look at the entirety of the book. Don't give up. Don't give up hope, because the same way that you feel, Jesus felt. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but the passage opens up in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5, the passage opens up and it seems to me that the, that the Hebrew writer points to an Old Testament psalm written by David. He says this, and furthermore, in verse 5, 
It is not angels in verse five of chapter two. It is not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place, the scriptures say, what are mere mortals that you should think about them or a son of man and you should care for him? Yet for a little while, you were made a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. And now this here brings me to my very first point of why Jesus had to become a man. It is this. He came to restore us to our original purpose. Think about it this this way here. He says this. What are mere mortals that you should think of them or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet you, for a little while, you made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Look at that verse there with me there. Verse eight, you gave them authority over all things. One of the the issues that sin brought into this world, it, it, it messed up everything. One of the reasons Jesus had to come back is because he had to restore to us man's intended destiny. He authorized dominion. And this might not mean much to you until you start to live a little bit. And you start to see that those things that you thought would take place don't happen. You start to realize that even though you have authority that God has given to us, that there are things that still go wrong, that things still don't happen like they should. And we can see it even now with a pandemic in which that which is a disease has run rampant. And not only not only a pandemic, but let's, when we look around and we just scroll through our social media and we scroll through the news, we see how this whole entire world has been jacked up. And yet Jesus gives us hope. As the psalmist David, as the writer of Hebrews points to the psalmist David, Jesus gives us hope that that one of the reasons that Jesus became a man was to give us authority, or another word might be dominion. Man was made to be king of all God's universe, and yet we couldn't do it. And you might be saying, well, it, it, it wasn't me. It was my forefathers. Well, in a sense, it was you. <laughs> and our forefathers being Adam and Eve, when they, when they did that, which God told them not to do, when they ate of the fruit that they shouldn't have eaten from the tree, which God had forbidden, something took place that affected every living being. And that is sin entered the world. And this sin not only caused things to go awry, but this sin had us mess up our dominion. And so Jesus, by him coming to be a man, restored that. <laughs> he restored our dominion. And we live in what scholars would say is an already not yet time in which while, yes, everything hasn't been restored yet, the next time Jesus comes back, it will be. It's, it's kind of like here being in Chicago. It's, it's, it's kind of like 
you know, being in Chicago, even though I didn't grow up here, I remember as a young, young child watching some of the, the, the Chicago Bulls and watching the, the, the Jordan Bulls and their two three-peats. And I wasn't around for all of them, but the last tail ones that I saw and, and I watched the last dance documentary uh, that came out earlier this summer. And they seem to have, for whatever reason, they had authority and dominion over the league. <laughs> but no matter how great and that authority was for those six years, those six championships, the truth of the matter is it didn't last. And that seems to be what takes place in our lives right now, that even if things are going well, even if we have economic success and even if things are going well at our job, it, it doesn't last always. It's here one moment and gone the next. But this text reminds us later on that with Jesus, it was different. Jesus restored dominion. And when he restored dominion, proof of that is that he was higher than the angels. This is also meant to encourage us to say, do you know who you are? When you think about what Jesus did, that's why we sing songs like joy to the world. That's why we sing songs and lyrics that state, hark the herald, angels sing. They do this and they do this only because Jesus has restored dominion to, to the human race. And it's just a matter of time until that is perfected. But not only did, did Jesus come to restore us to our original purposes that we see here in verses five through nine, it also seems as well that one of the aspects that, that Jesus did by coming to this very earth, one of the aspects as well is the fact that he revitalized our wholeness. Look at these verses, verses 10 through 13 with me. It says, God for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters, for he said to God, I will proclaim to your name, my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given to me. Notice, notice in these verses, we see that what our original purpose was. We were meant to be children of the most high God. And yet something caused us to break that relationship. That something that we discussed a little while earlier was sin. And yet Jesus in his coming to this very earth restored our wholeness. He did what we could not do. He restored our he, he did what we could not do in our flesh and restored us back to God. And I, and I know you might be saying, 
Um, how did he do that? Well, let's think about some of the challenges that are in our own flesh. I know this pandemic has caused a lot of challenges for some of us as we haven't been able to, to go to the gym anymore. Some of us have been stuck in the home. Maybe we've 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 had a, a, a nice time eating often. <laughs> There's different challenges. We all have these issues in our flesh that seem to keep us from the, the wholeness that we were created for. We don't treat our bodies as we ought to. We don't treat our loved ones as we ought to. I read a statistic the other day that talked about marriages in this particular season, how there are some of us who are listening right now to this particular sermon who are struggling in their marriages. They're struggling to maintain everything, to, to love their spouse, to care for their children, to continue to work if you're working from home. And all these different challenges have come, and yet it's caused us to feel as though our flesh is failing. And with those challenges, there are also sin in there. Some of us are wrestling with, with, with some sins that have been rekindled as we've been home, as we've hadn't been able to go to and fro. Maybe it's a sin of, of, of gluttony. Maybe it's a sin of overspending. Someone is, is struggling with the, the depressive nature that this pandemic has caused. And so what you've done is you've tried to feel some sort of joy. And maybe you felt that by clicking the clicks on Amazon and saying purchase. Or maybe it's been an, an issue with your speech that because you've been frustrated and you've been in a place for a long time, maybe you haven't spoken to your spouse or to your children in the way that you are. And maybe the sin has been coming through your mouth. And there are some others who maybe the sin is not something that is overtly seen outwardly, but it's inwardly. You're frustrated and bitter and disappointed that this year has gone how it's gone. Well, the truth is our sin ought to show us our need. And this text reminds us that one of the reasons that we struggle with sin so much is because it is embedded within us. It is in our very nature. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, is this, that when he came and when he paid the penalty that we all deserved, those of us who believe in him as the son of God and the savior of the world, the good news is, is that he restored to us our wholeness and those sins are not just on ourselves no longer. Those sins have been washed away. But not only has Jesus revitalized our wholeness, as we see, the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews also says to us, he's released us from the slavery of sin. I know I kind of got ahead of myself, but we do know that sin is slavery. Um, that even if you have a great week, um, it seems that next month another sin deceives. That even if you've done well for a good three to, to, to two to three years, maybe that fourth year it, it seems to to rear its ugly head again. That even when uh, you've had those challenging moments and the sin seems to have enticed you again. 
you're wondering, why is it that I can't overcome this? Well, the text says here, uh, because we're made of flesh and blood. Here it is in verse 14. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Hmm. That slavery to sin, as the writer Apostle Paul would say in Romans, that slavery to sin has not conceived life, it has conceived death. And that's one of the reasons, the, the, the third reason I say here that Jesus came is because he came to release us from slavery to sin. Sin is, is, is difficult. Uh, sin is, is permeating. It's, it's, it's all around us. It, it reminds me of that one individual who, uh, after reading in the newspaper about himself, uh, someone was giving him scathing remarks, saying how of a bad person he was and how evil he was and this and that. And the, the person responded, well, he doesn't even really know me. That is the truth behind all of us, in a sense, is that sin is permeating our being, that even our thoughts are sinful. The, the, the psalmist says there is no one who is righteous, no one, none at all. And Jesus, though, came to defeat the slavery of sin. He came to give to us the hope of the gospel, the hope of salvation. And Jesus did this by dying on the cross for us. And that is good news for us as we think about this Christmas season. That's good news as we think about the, the gospel, as we think about singing and opening gifts. We have the greatest gift, the gift of freedom. And I'm not talking about simply freedom nationally. I'm talking about freedom from our sin. And maybe this Christmas you're thinking about what to gift your loved one. Maybe you have a child and you're thinking about the gifts that they want. Maybe you're thinking about your own self. You, you've got a little money, you know, and while the pandemic has been tough for a lot of people, it's also been really good for you as you've saved money. Maybe for you, you're thinking about what you're all going to buy yourself. But the good news of this text is that God had the greatest gift in mind when he considered you and I. God had the greatest hope in mind when he considered you and I. And this gift wasn't a gift that anyone could earn. <laughs> this gift wasn't a gift that you got because of good choices. It wasn't a gift that you could put in hours to work for. But this gift was only that. It was a gift. <laughs> the only thing that you and I could do is simply receive it. And part of the, the, the ramifications of this gift is that it removed to, from us the slavery of sin. And that's good news for me 
uh, that's warming my heart and my soul as I think through all that I've lost this year, as I think through my frustrations and disappointments and angers and bitterness, as I think through the sins I've had to wrestle with being home, as I think through the dreams and the plans that I had that I thought I would be walking into in the year of 2021. And instead, I seem to simply be holding on. The good news of this season, the good news of the Advent season is no matter what I didn't get, (laughs) no matter what gift I do receive from loved ones, from my wife and from family and friends, No matter what it is that is under that tree that is wrapped in wrapping paper, no matter what accessory I might have that might give me temporary satisfaction for a month or so, the real good news, (laughs) the real joy that I have has nothing to do with materialistic things. But the real joy that I have is that God has removed my slavery and given to me freedom. And he's done that through his son. (laughs) I've heard one, one individual put it this way, that if you were to ask God to give you the very best of what he could, um, he would look at Jesus and say, that's the best of what I had. He would, in a sense, open up his pockets and turn his pockets inside out. And all that would come out is lint, Because he would say, the best that I had was my own son, and I gave that for you. And how do you know that he is worthy to be trusted? (laughs) How do you know that God is worthy to place your hope in? How can you smile this Christmas despite the losses and the pains and disappointments? How can you keep going when you don't know where you're going? How can you trust God even when you've had certain losses and disappointments and struggles? You can keep going because God has promised you that he's removed the slavery of sin and brought you into a life of freedom. But not only that, not only did Jesus have to come to restore us to our original purpose, not only did he come to revitalize our wholeness, Not only did he come to release us from slavery to sin, (laughs) he also came to refine us in times of testing. And I could leave the sermon and end the sermon there. But isn't this seeming like a year of testing? Um, It seems to me, it's been interesting to me that many prominent Christian leaders have had issues and scandals come to the forefront. And I don't say this to 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 bash on them, because the truth of the matter is, is if people looked at our lives as much as they looked at those prominent Christians, we would probably be in our own scandals. But it also seems that this year has been a year of testing. We've been tested in our relationships, tested in our jobs, tested in our in our freedoms, tested as a nation, tested as a world tested about what is going to come or what may not come. And it looks as though we're all failing at times, these tests. (laughs) But for the Christian, these tests aren't meant to destroy, but they've meant they're meant to build up. Look at what the the final verses of Hebrews chapter two 
verses 16 through 18 say to us. It says this, we know that the son did not come to help angels. You got to remember the people reading this particular text were Jewish believers. So for to them, angels, angels were superior. I mean, think about it. When Moses saw the, the, the burning bush, he saw an angel of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord came. So in this particular context, more so greater than our own, angels were high and lofty. But here, the text, the Hebrew writer says this, we also know that the sun, capital sun, the sun did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Here it is, verse 18. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are tested. And, and this is what I'll be honest to say. It's my own personal feelings. But one of the reasons I love our God is, is not simply because of he gives good gifts, which the writer of James would say every good and perfect gift comes from God. Not just that. I don't love God just for that. I don't love God because he gives me more than I deserve only gives me more than I deserve. I don't only love God because he is patient and kind. Those are all things that I love him for. But one of the reasons, this is just me, one of the reasons that I love God is because he had the idea in mind that he would, there was one thing he could not understand. God couldn't understand what it's like to be you and I what it's like to wrestle with temptation, what it's like to wrestle with bitterness and disappointment, to see loved ones pass away, to, to stand there with frustration and anger and have to be tempted by the enemy and the flesh in the world. But our God <laughs> decided to, to meet us where we're at. <laughs> and he sent his son, Jesus the Christ, all the way from heaven to this very earth. And how did Jesus start his ministry? He didn't start it in a palace, but he started his ministry in a barn. And not only that, after that, after he was born into this world in a stable, he started his ministry at 30 years old. Where did he start it? Where did Jesus start his ministry as 30 years old? He started it with a testing in the desert and he was tested by the devil. He was tested in every single way. He was tried. He was disappointed by his friends. He was abandoned by his loved ones. He was even abandoned by his father. And yet, <laughs> he came through victorious. And that is good news for us today because his victory meant our victory. And so no matter what this year has been for you, no matter the struggle and the trial and the disappointment and the pain and the frustration, even if it's been perfect for you, even though the world has been going through a lot, even if for you it's been pretty good, 
no matter where you fall this morning, you ought to have hope and you ought to remember the good news of the gospel of Jesus found here in Hebrews of four reasons why Jesus had to come. Again, he came to restore us, to revitalize us, to release us, and to refine us. And so for every believer, this means that you today shouldn't look like how you looked four years ago. That you as a Christian shouldn't look the same way you looked 10 years ago. Because our God is refining us in the way in which he has called for all of us to be refined in order that we might look like Jesus. And here's the good news. He hasn't left us alone. He's given to us his Holy Spirit. He's given to us his word. And he's given to us the example of his son, son Jesus the Christ. So remain steadfast. Enjoy your Christmas by remembering all that God has done for us through Jesus. Won't you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word, your great word that you gave to us today. We thank you, Lord God, that you came and you redeemed us and you revitalized us and you've restored us and you've refined us, Lord God. We thank you so much for that truth. And we pray, Lord God, that you will empower us to remember these truths as we gather with the friends and family, the friends and family that we can on Christmas Day, and we remember the hope of the gospel. Be with us, be with our leadership here. Forgive us of our sins and pour your grace upon us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.